Bookcase and Coffee presents Buzzing About Romance, a quick shot of romance. Hey everyone, welcome to Buzzing About Romance, a quick shot of romance. We actually have a special edition of this quick shot of romance. Uh, For the Descent Anthology auction, Leah and I made the choice to put forth a co-hosting opportunity to be auctioned off in an effort to raise funds for women's health and access to women's health um, as part of the Descent Anthology. And the winner of that item was author Eva Moore. Welcome to the podcast, Eva. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm Um, so glad you donated that. (laughs) We, you know, we weren't sure. (laughs) <laughs> like, what what do people want to do? Do they want to hang out with us? Because, you know, we never know. <laughs> uh, the answer is yes. We always want to hang out with you. There we is can... nothing I like better than talking back to my radio to a podcast. <laughs> like, the only thing better than that is actually being on the podcast so that I can talk to you in person. <laughs> yeah. Um, I often like to yell at podcasts, too. So that's part of the reason why I had to start a podcast. That. And I love romance. And before we jumped onto this, we kind of shared our love of romance. And that's part of the reason I had to start this podcast, because my husband and my mother and I didn't really have a ton of people in my real life that read romance. And the people that love me were tired of listening to me. That is a very hard spot to be in. See, I converted my mother when she was in grad school and I was in college. And I said, Mom, you're losing your mind here, here, here. Her name is Nora Roberts. It's a trip to Ireland. Just read it and take a break. And now she's got a five book a week habit and is delightful. That's she shares my Kindle account. <laughs> my mother started reading romance. I was inspired to read romance from my mother. But as she's gotten older, she's huge into audiobooks and goes towards when she does romance, she does more romantic suspense. So Nora Roberts or, you know, more towards genre fiction. And I'm over here like, give me all the steamy smuttiness. I want it all. <laughs> um, I did have a moment where I thought, oh, should I should I warn her about the milking? Come, maybe. Maybe don't read that one, Mom. It's okay. okay. Um, but then, you know, I look at some of the older romances that my mother would have read in the 80s and 90s, like Phyllis Whitney, Laverle Spencer. Like, this is true. Some this of those were true. bonkers. Bonkers. Absolutely. I think that I can handle an orc a little better than, you know, some of the gender play that happened in medieval times. Yeah. So, I mean, hey, there is something there for everybody. Exactly. And that's what I love about romance. And that's what romance has been for me since I was 12. Yeah. Yeah. I was a young. It's funny, too, because I know you do a lot over on TikTok. And, Mm. you know, the conversation came up about like parents not wanting their kids to read romance. And I'm like, well, first of all, it's not my job to parent your child. Uh, But the other piece of that is, is I read it young and I'm okay. Uh, Can I tell a funny story? Yeah, go ahead. My mom had no idea that I started reading romance at 12 until she heard it on a podcast that I did. (laughs) And she listened to it and was, she called me. I knew she would, she'd listen to because the minute she called me, she goes, did you really start reading when you were 12? You, you snuck to the library and I'm like, yeah, I just hid in the back and read for four hours and then came home for lunch. Like, what did you think I did all summer? Um, and she was mortified. And I said, but mom, I knew more about what sex was, how it should feel, when it felt wrong. I had a good grip on male archetypes. So I knew which ones I liked and which ones I didn't. So when I started dating, 
I had more functional knowledge than most girls my age. Yeah. And I was, I was very good about being able to like date a guy two, three times and be like, nope, nope. You're not for me. No, Mm -hmm. I I agree with all of that. I agree. and, And we talk about everybody's romance origin story a lot on the podcast. And if you think about it though, if you read babysitter's club, there was the Marianne and Logan storyline. How is that not um, a romance? Who who was the author? Um, Scott O'Dell, right? He wrote a whole bunch of like historical fiction with a female teenage protagonist. Witch of Blackbird Pond was another one. Um, like that was my entry point was like, I found all these historical fictions that I loved because I was a history nerd at that point in my life. And then all of a sudden there was smooching in them. And I was like, oh, this is even better. (laughs) But if you think about like Sweet Valley Twins and when they went to high school and there just seems to be this natural progression. Now, should I have jumped from Sweet Valley Twin High School into Jude Devereaux? Maybe not. Maybe not. you know what? We're fine. We're fine. Fine. I, I, my first romance was um, Warrior's Woman by Johanna Lindsay, which is a sci-fi, like, she's from an advanced civilization. He's a literal barbarian. And all I remember from my first reading was, you can do that in the woods? Like, I, I, what? <laughs> Mine was Jude Devereaux's The Conquest, which is medieval. And mm-hmm. he is a knight, a sir, a lord, and she is his page. But he, she's taken the place of her brother because she's trying to kind of hide out. And so it's this, he's attracted to someone who's supposed to be in a boy, but is not a boy. And not there was boy. spanking. And <laughs> anyway... I feel like I've read some of those on a pirate ship too. Yes. Where it's like, oh, I'm not sure how this is working out, but okay. Joanna Lindsay did that a ton on the pirate ships. Yes, she a did. A ton. Yes, she did. Um, okay, so I'm going to read your bio real quick, and then we'll get into a little bit more of this. So as a young woman, Eva Moore loved nothing more than to dive between the pages of romance and lose herself in the stories. They were perfect for avoiding midterm and report cards. She even met her husband while reading a book. About the time the second baby came along, though, she found she had little time for diving into anything but laundry. Missing her stories desperately, she began to make up her own. The stories she played with in her mind while she washed dishes and changed diapers eventually made their way into the pages, and she was hooked. Eva now lives in Silicon Valley. After moving around the world and back with her college sweetheart, her three gorgeous girls, and two shih tzus, who think they're cats. That's funny. <laughs> uh, she can be found most nights hiding in her closet slash office, scribbling away, and loves to hear from the outside world. Um, again, welcome to the podcast. We're so excited to have you. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. Um, so one of the things that we do in Quick Shots is we talk about books, but and we're going to actually talk about one of your newer releases, and that's Catch a Vibe, which is your pandemic quarantine inspired romance Um, so we will get to that but let's just talk about you as a writer first absolutely Um, so are you a pantser or a plotter so i have been many things across my 15 books that i've written um i started off as a plain pantser 
Um, I then moved into like heavy detailed plotting and that was too much also. And so now I'm more of a planter. Like I have, I have like sticky notes that tell me like the general idea of what's going to happen. But if I go too much deeper, my brain is like, oh, this is boring. You've already written this. You don't need to write this again. And then it takes me forever to actually write the scene. So I, I do outline loosely. Um, I'm staring at my murder wall right now. My, my writer's club, we call it a murder wall because it's like brown paper on the wall with sticky notes and all that's missing is like red strings. And so funny, but that's, that's my guideposts. Yeah. I have an author that um, I work with that she has big windows in her office, like a wall of windows, and she takes window markers and writes out her timelines for her books on her windows. And I'm like, okay, you do you, sister, but that. if that gets wiped, <laughs> where are you going to be? <laughs> so this is the thing. Like, I, I got um, a roll of that, like, brown butcher paper mm -hmm. and take it to the wall so that I can put my sticky notes on it. But when I go to a conference or a writer's retreat, I can just roll it up. And bring it with me and unroll it when I get there. Smart. Because I used to keep it on a big, like, here. I used to do it on a board like this. Yeah. But you, this doesn't fit in a suitcase very no. well. No, it doesn't. It doesn't well. Not very well at all. Um, <laughs> so one of the things that's part of romance are tropes. And in our podcast, we're a little heavy on tropes. We do trope talks where we give book recs based upon some of our favorite tropes or niche tropes. Do you have a favorite trope? I do. I love a good grumpy sunshine. I love a friends to lovers. Um, I love, I love a good cinnamon roll. Like I'm definitely... I'm definitely more on the cinnamon roll beta end of the spectrum than the alpha holes. Um, but I, yeah, I would say like grumpy sunshine is my number one. Love yeah. It. We did a recent episode where we talked about grumpy sunshine and our complaint is some people will label things grumpy sunshine, but he, but they're, they're just grumpy. really an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really grumpy. yeah. No. Um, <laughs> like I love a grumpy sunshine, but he can't just be a jerk or he she can't, can't be just jerk. be a jerk. That's there has not, to be reasons. The There's, it's more like taciturn and reserved and kind of like grumpy. Like you just want to give him like a donut or something and be like, cheer up my dude. But there can um, be like a trauma associated to the grump. It just has to be like being angry for a purpose, not just angry. <laughs> yeah yeah no I agree I if they're agree. just angry I want to just put them in time out and be like shut up and sit over yeah. there like you do Cold with your storage. children <laughs> yes <laughs> um but I think it's one of those tropes that it's becoming a little more common and a little more popular but it's really difficult to do it correctly and actually when we were going back and forth as to what we were going to do for this episode you had mentioned after hours on Milagro Street by um, Angelina M. Lopez. That is a great grumpy sunshine. She is a grouch. Yes. And it's, and, and it's a gender flip grumpy sunshine yeah. because the female lead is the grump and sweet, soft professor boy is the sunshine who just wants to give yeah. love, you know? Oh, I love that book. It's so good. That book was so, so very good. Um, 
Okay, so what made you, what helped you make that decision? Not only so you had the stories kind of bumbling around in your head, but you have to take from writing those down on paper and then pushing publish because you are an indie author. I am. So this is all on you, sister. <laughs> so, so I had one kiddo potty training and another one nursing at the same time. So I, just, I wasn't leaving my house. I wasn't, uh, I didn't have any time to myself to like sit with a book and read. That was not a thing that was happening. And so I had this dream and it was a really good dream. It was like the bleak moment of a, of a book. And I was like, I, that's not a book I've read. But like, I don't know where this came from, but it's not a book I've read. And then it came back the next night and the next night and the next. And I was like, oh my God, I have got to sleep. Like I've got to get this dream out of my head somehow. And so I just wrote it all out because that's often how I process my thoughts. And then I got intrigued by who these characters were. And I thought, oh, I'll just noodle it. I'll noodle for a while. And um, started writing, got really excited. I did the, um, so you think you can write contest with um, Harlequin, that Harlequin did a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, I made it past the first round in that, but I didn't final or anything, but it was like, it was exciting. And it was something that was, it, it was a genre that I loved. It was something that was completely mine and not related to my children. I used to be a teacher and I was used to thinking all day long. And I was going insane, not thinking about anything, but other people's bodily functions. It's a lot. It is um, a lot. <laughs> so much. They are now 14, 11, and seven. So like we're, we're past a lot of that. Um, but... I was trying to figure out what my identity outside of wife and mother could be. And I was really enjoying writing these stories. And so I said, well, I want to be published by the time I turn 35. And on my 35th birthday, I uploaded my, my, my story uh, with my own homemade cover, completely unedited, just Tossed it up on Amazon. Do not do what I did. <laughs> no, but you know what? It's okay that you did what you did because you had the guts. You had the power. You did something like that. That's amazing. It might not have been perfect, but rarely are our first goes perfect. Right? Well, so then so then I, I pulled it down a year later. I did some edits. I wrote the three other books that were in that series. I tried pitching to agents and editors and they were all like okay but you've already published one so we're not going to take the rest of the series so I was like okay well I guess I'm in this indie game you know for good now and I should probably figure out how to make it work um and I won another contest uh with book four in the series and part of the prize was that they were going to help me publish it and I was like oh okay but books one two and three aren't currently out and you want to publish book four by May. Oh, okay. So I edited four books simultaneously and published in January, February, March, and May. Okay. Got the first four books out and it's been a wild ride ever since. It's so exciting though. And I think it takes like true 
like gumption and ball lady balls to do it. You know, <laughs> we often talk on the podcast, my co-host Leah and I, we both work in publishing, but neither one of us are going to write a story. We are, we are happy to fix your words. We cannot write the words. And, um, and so we have like mad respect for anybody that writes the words, even if you're just writing shorts, because we're not doing that. <laughs> I have to say, Eloisa James gave me the best advice. We were at an RT conference, probably 2017, 2018, maybe. And um, so in addition to being an amazing historical romance author, she's also the chair of the English department at Fordham University. Yeah. And we were, we were talking about me being nervous about like, it's, it, it's not good enough. It's not perfect. Like, I, I'm scared to put my book out because it's not, I know it's not perfect. And she said, stop. Good enough is good enough. Get the book to good enough and move on to the next one where you will get even better. Like, do you think that white men are laboring over their words, spending four or five years perfecting a book? No, no, that's not like they think it's good. They put it out there. Take that energy and just do it. Just like, do it. Good enough is good enough. And you don't have to be perfect because perfect is a construct. It doesn't exist. It, it doesn't. It doesn't. And it certainly doesn't. In something like publishing in books, that's always evolving. We're always moving a little more forward. You know, we're seeing things changing almost on a daily basis within publishing. And, you know, we can only hope that it continues to change and change for the better and not backslide. Um, so, yeah, like you have to do it. You just you got to take that chance. Chance on you. And as a mom and, you know, also a woman, it's harder even for us. But we're showing our daughters we can do this. Look at us. That was a really big part of it for me was I wanted my daughters to see me making time for something I love, putting effort into a job, even though I'm, I'm a stay-at-home mom and I have been since number two came around. Um, we lived abroad for a while and so life got kind of hectic. Um, but I really wanted them to see me, like even if you're raising the family, you can still take time for yourself. You can still make space for the things that make you happy and that drive your ambition. And it's important it's so important to have it's, something that's yours. Yeah. So I, my girl child is older. She's 17. My boy child is 19. And I've been a stay-at-home mom since I had my boy child. And it is, it's hard to carve out your own time, especially when they're little and they're close together in age. Yes. Um, and for me, the pandemic is what gave us the opportunity to start the podcast. And you know, my girl child is excited to be a part of things. Like she picks up books now and um, she reads all the queer romances for me and tells me what I'm supposed to be reading and what works. And I love it. I love that she's able to see me being, hey, listen, I'm 40 something years old now. And even though things weren't exactly cookie cutter and perfect, you can continue to reinvent yourself and to try new things and put yourself out in the world. Absolutely. So my 14 year old, um, is, is asking me, mom, when are you going to hire me? Uh, cause I told her that I would teach her how to be an author's assistant so that she would have the skills of how to build a work, how to, how to build a website, um, how to update back matter, 
how to go into all of the different promotional sites and check on your advertising, how, like all the stuff that I hate to do that I would just love to make her. Yeah. Instead. Um, and I said, you know, when you go to college, you can like, I have all of the friends who would love to hire you and you can work on your own hours, make good money, do what you want to do at school and have yeah. a solid backup career with transferable skills. And she's like, Oh, that's really smart. Mom. I'm like, yeah, your mom's really smart. Yeah, it's really super smart. Uh, my girl child makes 99% of our TikToks and tells me what's trending and what I'm supposed to do because I am old. Um, so the book that you most recently released was called Caught a Vibe. It is mm -hmm. your pandemic-inspired romance. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really cute. It's really funny. And I'll have to I have to be honest. I don't always love a beta hero. However, you made me love Dash. He Yay. is, he's just, he makes sense against Penny. I will link the synopsis in our, on the shelf show notes. So um, if you guys want to find out a little bit more about the synopsis, you can do that um, on our website. This book released August 30th of 2022. So this is close kind of proximity. It's such a cute illustrated cover. So Thank you. Cute. I did it myself. There you go. There um, you what go. are some of the other tropes? So close proximity, second chance. Um, there's all of, most of my books have a strong like mental health aspect to it. So there's ADHD and learning to um, how to interact with each other through that lens. Um, you've got an alpha heroine who is a kick-ass CEO of her own company. Um like I said, I do love a cinnamon roll. I tend to write a lot of them. Um, I feel like Dash kind of fits that mold. Um, what are the other tropes? There's there's sick bed trope. Yeah. Right? Because she does she gets COVID. Um, there's a little bit of modern epistolary. Yeah. With the, the texting and the video chat and all of the different ways that we communicated during the pandemic. Well, you did. So I will talk about that a little bit. Like, you captured the trends and the feels of COVID so very well you've got the sourdough starter the succulents that we all had to purchase during quarantine and zoom calls and functioning in this engaging but impersonal piece to it you kind of captured all of that in this book which i thought was great thank you so i started writing this book in 2019 it's it's the meet cute is somewhat based on real events. Um, there was a sex toy designer who went to display this revolutionary toy that she had made at a tech convention. She was up for the innovators award and they came by her booth and looked at it. And like within two hours, she was told it's profane and immoral and not allowed to be part of the, the conference and you have to leave. And I remember reading the news story about that and being absolutely livid on her behalf. And I thought, oh my God, it would be such a great meet cute. It would be a great intro to a story. Oh my God, I have to write this. So I started writing it. So everything that happens in like the first three or four chapters, I wrote pre-pandemic. Okay. And then the pandemic hit and everything shut down. And I couldn't see how to write the story that would then come out like conceivably a year later when I didn't know what the future looked like. Like I didn't, 
I didn't know what was going to happen with none of us knew. Right. And so, um, that, that book sat for a very long time until I could see in like in hindsight where it would fit and what I could do with it. But one of it's, so there's a big debate in romance, like did the pandemic happen or did it not? Are we ignoring it completely well, or are we diving in? Right? And see, and it's a challenge. And I will tell you, like when this ti- when you told me what the title was and I looked at the blurb, yeah. I have a lot of trauma yeah. attached to the pandemic. I didn't, I was very lucky. I didn't lose anybody. I didn't have anyone hospitalized. My eldest child had a liver transplant. So oh my God. we were in quarantine actually 10 days before shutdown notices were happening because we knew that we had to keep him safe. And then um, I was in like lockdown or shut quarantine probably six to eight months longer than anybody else. So for me, you know, we posed this question a lot in 2020 to authors. Are you going to write the pandemic? How do you how does this look now? Do we just move on from it? And honestly, yours is the first book I read and it was well done. Like it had the feels. It had the vibes. You know, I, I think that. If all the authors can write it in like this, we'll be okay. Well, here's here's my thing, right? Like in times of stress and depression and, you know, when I am down, I reach for an HEA. I reach for a happily ever after because I know it's going to deliver what I need. And damn it, I am reclaiming the pandemic, because as crappy as it was and as stressful as it was, like I, we had a horrible, many bad things happened to my, my family personally during the pandemic also. Um, But there's still a window for happily ever after. There were still situations where this terrible thing that happened could still have a hopeful and loving outcome. Well, you know, and I I I really wanted to put that on the page so that, so that we can start to find the narratives that are going to make us feel better about, about what's happened in our past. Well, and if we kind of look at it and put it in context of say 9-11, romance, contemporary romance in 2002, 2003, didn't, if there was a New York based, you didn't talk about it. It just wasn't brought up, but there were no more big airport love scenes. You know, yeah. it was slowly brought in. And I think that you did. And you had a lot of military heroes and a lot of military heroes. Yeah. And in this book, you did it in such a way that it was like that. It was subtle and gentle without being like political or in your face. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the fact that. Penny is this really dynamic, intense heroine who then is forced to like sit down in a stay at home in a box and, you know, can't go out and fight and do the things she wants to do. That makes for like a really dynamic story because she now has this hero who wants to support her and love her and do all that he can but who comes with a very specific mindset that she has never had to live with in close proximity. Yeah. Yeah. And li- living with somebody with ADHD is, is different. It is. Uh, you know, 
um, in doing a lot of the research for this book, um, my, in, like in the, in the process of it, like my mom has been diagnosed with it. Uh, and my youngest daughter has just recently been diagnosed. And so like doing all this research on ADHD was, was really good for me, <laughs> but I'm, but I, I really wanted them to have the conversation that like grown adults have to have when you're living together and you're trying to set norms and understand how the other person functions. Like, um, I just, I really wanted my friends who have ADHD to see themselves on the page and have them be respected and approached. But even though like Penny wasn't, she didn't have ADHD and she's right. driven and successful in what she does. She also was flawed and because oh, yeah. of her flaws it makes her relatable and not seem so perfect so you could have written her to be this incredibly like perfect career driven got her stuff together nothing bugs her kind of heroine but you didn't you made the choice to be like hey you might be successful girl but you're not perfect no and no, it, because nobody is nobody is and like when you when you in talking to the to women who have reached that level of their career, right? There's always trade-offs. There's always things that like me being extremely focused and driven in this one area means that stuff over here I'm not paying attention to. Right. You know? And it's I, I don't think I don't think anybody's perfect. Again, it's a construct, right? So you have to give them enough flaws to make them interesting and enough areas where they need to grow, or it's not a story. For sure. For sure. Okay. So people can find Caught a Vibe. It's out now wherever you buy yep. books. You also had a story within the Descent anthology. Um, and that is still out there and for sale. Until Halloween. It comes down. Okay. I so say, when this drops, October it will not 31st. be on sale anymore. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> That's fine. I'm pretty That's sure fine. most people have grabbed that. Um, what is next for you? What What kind of projects do you have in the air? I have several irons in the fire. Um, the next full novel that I'm working on is the second book in the Love in the Quarantimes series. Um, you met Emmy in this book. She's one of the colleagues who works with um, the with Penny, the designer. Um, and she is going to go home. That's her pandemic thing. She's a single parent and she can't really function well by herself working at home with her daughter at home. So she moves back to be with her parents so she can have some help with her kiddo because all of us who were home with a kiddo, oh my God, it was a lot. <laughs> um, and she runs into her middle school crush who has set up a lot of her buttons around men she won't date. Oh. Um, Okay. So it's called Electric Love off of the um the TikTok trend where you kiss your best friend and see what happens. Okay. Well, that sounds yeah. awesome. And when can we expect that? Next oh, I have no idea. Oh, okay. No idea. It's it's currently it was a Christmas novella. Oh. And now it's a Valentine's novella and like we're just going to see when that comes out. That's okay. But I'm also I'm also got two stories currently running on my Patreon. Um one is Lumber Snacks, again, oh. based off of our, our lovely TikTokers who like to chop wood. Um, and 
the other one is called thirst trap and it's um basically what would happen is if what would happen if a chris evans type person went on broadway in the sound of music and fell for the stage manager okay so in our on the shelf show notes for this episode (laughs) i will link all the places to find eva including her website and her patreon um Thank you so much for bidding on this and coming on and chatting with me about Caught a Vibe and about being a romance author. Thank you so much for supporting the auction. I can't believe, I I can't wait until we can announce final numbers because it is a significant chunk of change that is going to reproductive rights. And I am so proud of us. So exciting. So exciting. And congratulations on getting your USA Today bestseller letters. That's so exciting. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, I can't imagine a better project to do it on. No, it really was perfect. (laughs) It's exactly the project that it probably needed to happen on for so many. So congratulations. And again, thank you so much for joining us. Um, Until next time, everyone, happy reading. Find us on Instagram at buzzingaboutromance or on Twitter at buzzingromance. If you like the podcast, please leave a review. If you'd like to support us directly, join the Bookcase and Coffee Patreon and receive exclusive content only available to Patreon members. Check out bookcaseandcoffee.com for our on-the-shelf show notes.